the truth is, is uh, anxiety is contagious. It's like, uh, it's like a virus. Um, and typically, unless there is a healthy leader in the room, the most anxious voice actually gets uh, the floor and, get, and controls the room. So you've been in those things, like you get in a meeting, like, what are we going to do? So-and-so said, what are we going to do? And people start going crazy. So one of the things that Ed Friedman says is uh, he got from a, a trauma surgeon. He said, you know, when you're a trauma surgeon, a patient flatlines on the table what's the very first thing you do? And the surgeon said, the very first thing a good trauma surgeon does is check their own pulse. This is Better Well with Caleb Williams. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm really, really glad to be here. So the story and how we met was we, we connected, I'll say, the week before everything got crazy in this, in this country. Um, it was the week that the NBA uh, decided to postpone and Trump put the travel ban on and everyone's freaking out, toilet paper's disappearing. Yep. <laughs> and we're at a workshop and learning how to make our, get our messages out in the world. And the cool thing about you is I, I didn't know much of your story. I didn't, I just know you just made a huge impression on how you led and how you showed up and how you communicated. And then I found out afterwards that you are, you led a big church and what you're doing and what you're doing now. And I'm like, better wealth, this show is all about helping people rise up and live a more intentional life. And I would say that most people on the show are, have a tendency to talk about money because if you can get this money thing right, you can be a more, more intentional person. And I would love for you to touch on that, but I, I'm more excited to talk about the wisdom of leadership and the outlook that you're having in this crazy time. And I just know that this is going to be an, an encouraging conversation because I've talked to you a couple times and I've just left so encouraged. And that's why I have the show is because I don't want to just keep that to myself. So thank you for being on here. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's, and that's what my, uh, I feel like my calling and my why is really related to that and, um, and what my business is about. So, um, and it's awesome to just to be part of this and, and, and to be on with you. Awesome. Why don't you give your, your overview origin story? I, uh, when people ask like, where do you want me to begin? I'm like, why don't, why don't we begin with how your parents met? <laughs> we don't have to go down that, that far, but I love to hear the origin because I think that gives a lot of context on who the person is. And then let's, let's get into how, how the people listening to this, how we can rise up and really um, not be fearful, but make decisions um, in a, in a really clear way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, man, that's, uh, that's super important. Like, uh, you know, one of the things that I talk to people about and talk to my, um, myself about and my clients about is the fact that you have to deal with your past or you're going to be defined by it. And um, uh, because so many leaders are, they're, they're driven by things that they don't fully understand within themselves. And most of it relates to our past. So for me, I grew up, um, I grew up in uh, rural South Carolina. Um, I grew up in, in um, a situation where uh, there, were, there were some substantial uh, difficulties. I was the first person in my, in my family to ever uh, go to college. The fact that I feel like, uh, by God's grace, he rescued me from uh, all, kinds of different, uh, all kinds of different things. Um, but that also created a number of 
uh, things in me that um, that led to a very uh, difficult leadership experience. So, you know, what part of part of what happens in our lives sometimes the dysfunctions in our lives actually give us success in in the world. And so, because I had been sort of taught to be uh, responsible and and to, and you have to figure everything out. Like it gave me this great sense of resourcefulness and this great sense of uh, drive and curiosity and independence and like, man, I'm going to go get them. And I would just just blaze through uh, all kinds of all kinds of things, and um, and that was really great until it wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, at 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 one point, I had I'd done lots of different stuff in my career from banking to finance to um, coaching and consulting to uh, pastoring and eventually became the, the senior pastor of a very large church, um, six sites and 6,000 people. And I uh, was sort of looking around uh, a few years into that and going, man, what is wrong with me? This should be like, this should be like, you know, every, everybody I went to school with is like, that's, you've got the, you know, got the dream. You guys are planning churches and uh, globally impacting and, and starting we started like 10 nonprofits to address like sex trafficking and uh, poverty. I mean, all kinds of stuff like, and it, and it was great. We had a world-class team and, um, and yet inside, man, I was like uh, burning with like anger and bitterness and, and mm-hmm. loneliness and emptiness and just exhaustion. And uh, I couldn't figure out why at, for, for a while. Um, but a lot of it came back to the fact that uh, I had been, driven by those things that I picked up in my childhood and I didn't fully understand, you know, uh, I was living, I was living other people's scripts for my life. Uh, even though, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm helping this person. I'm putting out this fire. And I was very busy and I was very, uh, and people love that because like, Oh, you're competent. You can do this. And they'll start handing you more things. And the more you not only do those things, but take the emotional weight and responsibility of them, the, the more you're, the more you edge toward burnout because burnout doesn't actually come from overwork. It comes from you emotionally bearing the burdens that you weren't meant to bear. Hmm. Hmm. Wow, man. That's, that's, that's a really, that's a really powerful story. And it gives a, a lot of context of like where you've come from. And it was interesting. So just going back to what you said about burnout, it's not by overwork. It's about bearing things that can you just repeat that? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times we think, um, hey, uh, you know, uh, a burnout and which, which is, I mean, burnout is huge. Like it doesn't matter where you look, like Google it sometime, you'll see like Forbes articles and Harvard Business Review articles about burnout of, of leaders in the workplace. And it's one of the things I'm passionate about preventing and helping people recover from because I, I went through it. And, um, and, and, and yeah, we, we think, well, it's, it's because you're working, you know, too many hours and that does contribute. But, but, but we all know, like when you're working in the thing that you're meant to do and you're passionate about, you, you, you don't, you don't roll over and die. You're like, I want, I just want to keep yeah. doing that. You know what I mean? You're excited about it. And not that you, you, of course you have to get right sleep and diet and, and boundaries and all that kind of stuff. But what happens is the burnout comes because, um, we start, we start taking on the responsibilities, especially emotionally, that other people uh, are supposed to have. So I, I have this exercise I do with clients called Two Circles That Saved My Life. And uh, they really are the two circles that saved my life. And so the outer circle is, um, is uh, concerns and the inner circle is responsibility. And I even have like a little, 
like works worksheet resource that pe- you can work through. I, I'm happy to, you know, uh, shoot you that if you want it. But, yeah. uh, but the idea is like, we all have concerns, but then we have this inner thing of responsibility. So I am, I'm concerned about, you know, like what my wife's, uh, emotional reaction will be to the fact that I don't want to do what she wants to do or whatever it is. Right. Um, but I'm not responsible for her emotional reaction. So I'm concerned about what my employees, my team, um, how they're performing or why this thing isn't getting done, but I'm not taking on the emotional burden of bearing that for them. I'm helping them get there. I'm helping them do what they're called to do because when I overfunction, uh, which is what I learn to do in all of life, like when I overfunction, the only way you can overfunction in the system, whether that's a family or a business or whatever, is for other people to underfunction. So mm-hmm. it's like the classic thing, right? Of your like the mom who's like complaining to their teenager, why don't you clean your room? Why don't you make your bed? And uh, and then they leave, and then she just goes and makes their bed for them. Yeah. Uh, every day. So see, he gets to keep underfunctioning because she's overfunctioning, and the same thing happens yeah. in the workplace. All right, so we That's just probably much longer already, than you wanted. Sorry. Well, no, no, I love this man, and also that that resource that you said, like, would love for for that resource to be included. If if that will be in the show notes, we'll make sure that that gets it there. Because uh, I really appreciate you just like sharing that. Because burnout, like, I haven't had anyone on the show that's talking about burnout, and I think it shows up differently for people. But you have, I mean, and again, there's you look at the marriages that are falling apart. You look at the people that are not being fulfilled. You're like, there's different factors. And I'm not going to say you understand that or I understand that fully. But I, it's so it super interesting because as you're talking, I'm like, man, going back to what we all do, intentional living is better wealth. And I don't care how much money you have, Jeremy, if you're not able to live an intentional life, you're not wealthy. And I love how you're, what, the work that you're doing and the passion that you have is really getting people figured that out before you go figure everything else out. So talk to me about the, if someone asks, asks you off the street, hey, what do you do? How do you answer that, number one? Talk to me a little bit more about what you do. But like you went from everyone seeing you being a massive success. What happened after that? You said that you hit some walls. What did that actually look like? And what are you currently doing now? Yeah. Um, so yeah, as I started running into the walls, um, I had to do something I'd never done in my life. And, uh, I, I will often tell people like, this is maybe the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, and yet it seem it'll, it'll seem like, well, it should have been, the, it should be the easiest thing. Uh, but I had never had, I'd never had to ask for help. Um, I had never had to say, I can't do this or figure this out. And it was so frustrating and so humbling because um, I had been able to figure everything else out, manage every other crisis and fire. And yet, you know, when you put out a lot of fires, what happens is you start to get burned. And, um, and I had to say, man, I am, I'm toast and I need to step back and take, uh, take a rest. And, um, and so ended up, taking a sabbatical, but then just saying like, Hey, I feel like God's calling me to like totally kind of reorient my life. I spent about uh, a year just doing that a year being uber present with my wife and kids a year doing a lot of study and research and reflection and journaling and prayer and counseling and coaching and all kinds of stuff. 
and I felt like through that whole thing and, and, and my friends and, and people around me that, that God just really recreated me fully, like um, in terms of my, my clarity, my focus, my leadership, uh, uh, my family, my relationships, all that stuff. And that gift of recreation is uh, what the gift I wanted to give to, to leaders and businesses. Uh, it, and it's the, um, uh, it, it's the passion that, that I have. And so now I help leaders and businesses uh, get, get started, get healthy, get unstuck. I often say that I help people go from being busy to being productive, uh, because mm. we, we all know what it is to be busy, right? Yeah. And we're like busy. You come home, you're like, I'm so tired. I was so busy all day. You're like, but what did I actually get done? Yeah. Oh, and man. that's a, that's a horrible feeling to have, man. I used to hate that feeling to feel like working my tail off all day. And, but what actually happened, um, and actually help what I kind of say is like, I like to help leaders be lazy and, mm. and that it doesn't mean that you're actually being lazy, but when you're in your zone of genius, when you're doing, you know, what you talk about it, right. As, as the why, what am I here for? What's my purpose and how money you need money to fund that, that to push that impact forward, to push that message forward. Uh, uh, that, that is what we want. Right. And so when leaders aren't healthy, when they're driven by the wrong things and whatever, it's like it, 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 it's it short just like if you mess up your whole financial thing and now you can't do that anymore, it, it, the same thing happens in your, in your inner life. And so what I help do is build transfer transformative leaders and, and thriving cultures. And that, those are the things that I really work. in. so a lot of times I go into toxic workplace cultures and, um, and flip those into trust cultures. And I work with, you know, uh, leaders. And if you, we all know, like as leaders go, go the organization and the impact and the why and all that stuff. And so, if you think about the leaders that you know that have been the most transformational, inspirational, impactful in your life and in the world and that kind of stuff, um, you know how powerful they are. They're, they're, very, they're very rare, uh, but those are the kind of leaders that I help build. So again, it's like you, there's like 10 things I want to say every time you, you talk as it relates to just going back to, I think everyone like woke up when you were like, oh, the difference between being busy and productive like that hit me i'm like oh man like i'm always busy i don't know how how many times i'm productive though um so that's that's a piece that i think is so key and then the idea of even recreating recreating yourself um i i think there there there's so many people whether you're in business or not and i want you to speak to this when you when you say recreate in other words like how can someone listening to this take what you do in your specialty and how can they apply it to their life today? And then, and then let's talk about toxic work culture because there's a lot going there. There's a lot of that going on. I'm wondering if you see a correlation between toxic work culture and family toxic family culture. So there's a lot of families listening to this. So um, first of all, let's talk about recreate. How can someone recreate themselves, whether they're an executive or not? And then let's talk about toxic workplaces. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I would say the starting premise is no one can uh, recreate themselves. Uh, okay. If you mean by yourself, right? I, yeah. I, I'm not saying you, uh, you meant that, but I, but I think it's a, it's an important point to say that, you know, we weren't, uh, we were created for uh, community and relationship uh, in my, uh, uh, as I see it. And you, you, I, I say you, everybody needs a, a few roles. You, you need a team, right? Um, and, and you can, you can build this team without, with having zero employees, it's not about who's on your, on your staff or your, your culture, but everybody needs 
uh, a friend. And I'm talking about a good friend. Like when, if you go back and look at Second uh, uh, Kings 4, I believe it is, where Solomon becomes king and he appoints a cabinet, what we call a cabinet. And one of the, chief, one of the cabinet positions is chief friend, friend to the king. Um, and that was the wisest king that ever lived, right? Uh, at least to that point, he went downhill uh, shortly thereafter. But, but you need a friend, uh, you, need, you need a mentor, you need a coach, you need a counselor. Uh, you need those, those, those kinds of, uh, roles in your life. And so that's the key thing is having, yeah, go ahead. And also I'll just say when you know how people say like you are the five people who you spend time with. Yep. Do you, are you saying like, yes. And those, we should be intentional with maybe the different roles within those five people. Uh, do you mean, uh, who those five people are in those roles? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, so I'm talking about, yeah, like, so who you spend time with, I think is super important. I think we both agree on that. Yeah, but yeah. then you're talking about like a friend, mentor, like, are there different roles within the people that you should surround your life with that you should sort of have someone in each category? Uh, yeah, in my opinion, uh, yes. Like I even have a, like a little, you know, like a little wheel that says like, here are the roles that every leader kind of needs. And, and so like you have to, in my opinion, I, I'm not saying at all times, you need to be doing all of those things uh, because some, you don't want to overwhelm yourself, but you need uh, uh, to intentionally go, okay, who is, who's my mentor or mentors? And some of them, uh, frankly, some of your mentors need to be dead. Uh, in other words, like that pe- great men and women who lived in the past who have passed that down, and then some need to be alive. Uh, uh, and some can be specific, right? Like, you know, uh, mentoring me in this like particular area of my like a, a marriage or whatever and some can be like business and uh and then and then yeah being intentional about having uh, a coach a counselor um those kinds of people on your team because uh that's that's the path to greatest uh, growth one of the things you talk about right is how uh, using money to leverage your greatest asset uh investing in uh, whatever, whatever the why is that you have, right? So driving your business forward, your message forward that you've been given. And, um, and that's the same kind of uh, reason that people invest in me in their life because they want to drive that forward. And I could give you a bunch of stories about that and how that, how that looks. But, uh, but that's the piece that, that really helps, you know, people catapult to another level of success, both personally and professionally, which is what I'm passionate about. And, uh, I'm not sure if I answered all your questions there. I'm probably lost some. Yeah, no, man, that, I mean, that's super helpful. And I, you, the first time when you talked, I was like, there's, I didn't know King Solomon had those different people on their cabinet, but it makes me just like take an audit of myself. It's like, okay, who, who's in my life, who's speaking into my life. And there might be some different roles and some people shouldn't, it shouldn't all be business. Like it's powerful to have some encouraging friends and, um, I just got a text the other day by someone who's a friend of mine who's just pure encouragement. And I just like that, that is, that, that shows up in my life in really powerful ways. So thank you for that. Let's talk about toxic work cultures and toxic family cultures and what makes something toxic because you've said it a couple times and I just feel like, I feel like there's a lot, lot of this going on in our homes and our businesses. So what are some of the, what are some of the key things that you see and, and what are, and I also appreciate you saying that you can't recreate yourself like that. You can't be the sole person. So what do you do when you see that 
what are the best ways to get away from that? Yeah. On the toxic culture side. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this, it, it's a pernicious problem. Um, what I'm going to say is, I think the best way to explain it is you, everyone should adopt a, let's call it like a systems view of life. Uh, we're all in different, we're all involved in different systems. You have a family system. Uh, we have relational systems. We have uh, uh, business systems and the principle, whether you're looking at it from culture or biology or whatever, right, is homeostasis. And so when I talked before, like the way that I learned uh, to overfunction was by other people underfunctioning and me being sucked, sucked into that. So that's, that's a system. And when you change one element of it, the other ones react to that, right? So, it, so when I go, I'm going to be healthy now and I'm going to have boundaries around this. Uh, the other people will in the system will sabotage that. Not it's not like a intentional. Let's see how. This, but they are going. How do we get back to this homeostasis where I was functioning like this because it's not comfortable to change. We all we all know that. So in the workplace, um, it's usually uh, because uh, you have you have toxic cultures because you have um, usually a toxic leader who approaches uh, with what. I call, and I got this from Ed Friedman, who was a, an amazing, uh, highly understudied, undervalued uh, thinker in this area, but uh, uh, we approach with an anxious presence. And so the greatest gift that any leader can give their family, uh, their business is a non-anxious presence. So I say presence is better than technique. And when you have an organization and it's, it's driven by uh, uh, data over decisiveness. Now you need data, but like that paralysis around data, um, when it's driven by, um, uh, a bl blame, you know, like, well, it's the sales team's fault. It's the marketing team's fault. It's, it's never, you know, it's, it's, it's it, you see blame, you see this broken trust, uh, lack of trust. You, you see all those things. That is, that's a, that's a toxic culture. And it's a, it's a result of, we think of anxiety only as worry, but it's, it's really more that it's all this energy inside that we don't know what to do with. And so when I show up to my wife and kids and I'm all worked up from the day of, uh, you know, getting rejected in this and not knowing what to do with that and feeling uncertain over here and whatever. And I come in with all that energy, you know, my kids just do just the normal kid stuff, like spill a glass of water, or whatever. My reaction goes like, wow. Uh, and then I go, my goodness. I just reacted completely out of proportion. Like if you're self-aware enough to be like, why did I react that? Well, because I'm bringing all that baggage in. Yeah. And so if, if you're not, if you don't have healthy leaders, then they're bringing that baggage in and they're, they're innervating the workplace with so much stuff. And everybody feels that sense of, I don't know what to do. I'm not clear. And how do I get here? And how do I manage that? And how do I put this out? And everybody's running frantically rather than actually, um, achieving the, the mission of the organization. And the longer that goes, the more broken it gets, the more people burn out, the more anger and fear uh, take root. And uh, it has devastating financial and not only personal, it's not just about like, hey, how do we help make people happy? It's about, you know, even your bottom line, I can show you all the studies, the ROI on all this stuff, and it's pretty huge. Can you talk to me about the, the difference? So, so if there's some toxic workplaces, or if you see yourself being reactionary, what is the next step? Is it being, is it taking a step back and saying, I'm going to be self-aware? 
and like and going in and approaching it like that is self-awareness is it like what do you if you're sitting across the table from a leader that wants to be better that wants to rise up and be a, a more present leader where do you what what questions do you ask them where do you begin because i'm fascinated by that and i i see that in my own life jeremy and how reactionary i am and i and i see that i can see that bleed into all the other things that i do yeah, it's 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 a good question, and the the truth is is uh, anxiety is contagious. It's like uh, it's like a virus, um, and typically, unless there is a healthy leader in the room, the most anxious voice actually gets uh, the floor and get and controls the room. So you've been in those things like you get in a meeting like, what are we going to do? So and so said, what are we going to do? And people start going crazy. So one of the things that Ed Friedman says is uh, he got from a, a trauma surgeon. He said, you know, when you're a trauma surgeon. A patient flatlines on the table. What's the very first thing you do? And the surgeon said, the very first thing a good trauma surgeon does is check their own pulse. And really? Yes. And, and it's not as much like, not literally like he's like sitting there holding his fingers, like counting his pulse, but taking that first breath and going, I'm not just going to rush in and start, you know, doing things to this patient. I'm going to take a breath and go, am I in a place where I'm able to make a good logical decision because we know we don't make good decisions out of anxiety and fear. Yeah. Uh, uh, our brain gets narrowed down and, and we lose access to our prefrontal cortex and we can't make uh, the kinds of decisions we need to make. Yeah. So, um, so the, the, place where, the place where I usually start is I start with getting feedback from, uh, and I have a specific process that I use, right, to get feedback and to get people talking and to understand how they're experiencing the leader and how, how they're experiencing the, the, the workplace and the culture. Um, but with a leader, I sit down and uh, I have them go through a bit of their story and their past. And you'd be surprised how many high powered CEOs who are, what are 50 years old have never had someone sit and listen to them for an hour, two hours uh, and, 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 and pull that stuff out. So, and I had, I had one guy, you know, uh, just recently, and I was going through this whole thing with him. He's like, man, why are you asking me all these questions? I want to grow my business. I want to fix my team. I got problems. Like you're asking me all these questions. And I'm like, Hey, just trust me for 30 more minutes. Right. And dude, we get like an hour and 15 minutes into our first coaching conversation. And he stops, sits back and starts laughing. And I said, man, what, what, what's, what's going on? Why are you laughing? And he's like, because everything that's so, that was, has been so complex, just suddenly got so clear. And I realized like what's blocking me is not technical competence, not inability to figure out strategy and all that kind of stuff. It is uh, this fact that you, you've drawn together all these themes and I've got this underlying rage that's just simmering underneath me that's blocking everything else. Uh, and he emailed me a few days later and said, man, that one conversation, he said, I did, I've done over a year of counseling, medication, mentoring, and that one two-hour session gave me more clarity and direction and freedom than I'd had from all that combined, man. And I started crying. I was like, man, this is what, that's what God's made me to do. And, 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 and to see that, go you know, like, okay, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of stuff that's underneath that we just we need help pulling out yeah. so that we can uh, lead in a healthy way. And then he was able to go and achieve those things, right? But do it in a way that was, that was, that was healthy, wasn't blocked up anymore. It's it's funny because I I relate to what I teach of like getting clarity on where you want to go before you get in the car or before you start your wealth strategy. It's same thing that goes. It's like yeah, I'm the kind of leader that's like I want to build a business, I want to build a team, I want to figure out the funnels, I want to do the marketing. And you're like, okay, 
And make sure that you don't go up the wrong tree and figure out that you're in the wrong forest, or maybe we're focused on the wrong issue. You think it's a marketing issue, but it's actually a scaling issue. And it's powerful when you can take a step back and listen. And it's, it is true. It's when you are leading an organization, it's lonely. And, um, and it just, I, I want the people listening to this. If you're listening to this, I, I want to encourage you two things. Number one, find someone that you can talk to with no agenda. And then number two is be that person for someone else. And, and man, that, that alone, like, is encouraging. I want to ask you one more leadership question that I want to switch over to wealth. Um, leadership, like level five leadership. We've, Jim Collins talks about it. There's a million books on leadership. What's your example of what the goal is for a leader? What should I, like, what can I do to build myself up? And then the people listening to this, I don't care if you're in business or if you're leading your house or whatever you're doing, leadership's a strong calling. It's a, I believe it's influence. How do you, when you, when you're across the table from someone and talking about leadership, what kind of conversations do you have? And, um, and how would you define what leadership is like what we're headed for and how can someone, what can people do to make sure that they're, they're stepping up and to what they've been called to do. And those are, uh, those are huge questions <laughs> and, and do that in the next three minutes. No I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, it's, it's, it, it's what you, I think obviously leadership has become this buzzword and, uh, I, I talk to a lot of people who are not living their full potential because they believe that leadership uh, is defined in their minds um, as this, let's say it's this super charismatic, uh, uh, strong, uh, just, you know, type A driven, like that, that's what a leader is. And, and that is, a particular kind of leader, but I believe all of us are called to be leaders in in some way. And the very first and the hardest aspect of leadership is self leadership. There's a proverb that says, "Better is the man who can rule his own spirit than he who can take a city." If you can lead yourself, then you can lead other people, and uh, and and you can. You can actually get other people to follow you without without um, without leading yourself, but in the end, it will go poorly if if you don't do those things. And so, I I start talking to people about you know what I call the oxygen mask principle, right? You have to put your mask on before you start assisting and helping other people, or else you won't be able to. You like what happened to me, right? I had to back, I had to, I had to, I had to step down because I could no longer do it. Uh, how much would it have been worth if I had taken care of myself in that way? so that I could have kept uh, going at a healthy pace and growing and, and moving that forward. Almost, I mean, you can't even quantify that value. And so uh, I, I tell people to start with, uh, you know, Jesus said, like, love, uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, and we have this idea that that's, that's selfish, um, but it's not. So we need to, fo- when I'm focused, when I have like my, my morning routines down, my intentionality, my mindset, I know what my why is and my clarity. So I take, I have a, like a process called recreate leaders, right? And we start with the core of who we are and we build a compass and we build clarity and then we build connections and, and, and then we do competence. So it's, it's holistic. And so that idea is, um, 
getting yourself right. It's kind of like you said, you've got to start right before you start. We start do it working on like what your rate of return is going to be. Let's start, let's work on where you're trying to get to or else you drive a hundred miles uh, like, you know, dumb and dumber in the wrong direction. Yeah. And, and way to answer that in concisely because I, I gave you a lot to like, I, that it was a big question. And so a hundred percent agree. Now what I want to do is I want to switch over. You talked about your story. You talked about burnout, talked about toxic workplace. You talked about being self-aware, talked about leadership. Now let's talk about that in the frame of better wealth. So number one, I would love to hear your definition of better wealth. Like what does better wealth mean to you? And then from a person listening to this, whether you're a business owner, whether like you're a investor, whether you're just getting started in life, like where, what kind of financial advice do you give? And, and I know like, I know this may or may not be your forte. You, you, you are a CFO for a couple companies. <laughs> so, um, you know, a thing or two about money. So I'm just wondering from a leadership perspective in the, the paradigm that you have, how that translates into how you view money. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think I've, I might've told you before, a lot of times I, you know, sit down with the client first and say like, I start saying that kind of like why question, right? What are you trying to do? A lot of like, man, I want to, you know, retire on this age. I want to, you know, be able to, uh, um, accomplish these business goals, build, grow my business X percent, scale to this, do all that kind of stuff. And I say, man, that's awesome. And, and then I stop and say, if you got all those things, what would that do for you? What would that do for you? If, and, and what would, who would you become? Like, who would you be if you had those things? And then they get to reflect a little bit more and they start to go, well, what are, lots of different answers, right? But it might be like, well, then I'd have freedom to really be with my wife and kids and spend time with them and that kind of stuff. And I go, okay, that's, so now we're starting to get to the goal under the goal, but, but guess what? The way you're pursuing it right now, right. Is, 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 is awesome. You want that, but guess what? In 20 years, when you want that thing to happen, your kids are gone and grown. And then they're singing like cats in the cradle song to, you know, cause they don't know who dad is anymore. Um, and, and, and so I say, if that's your why, then, then how do we work your life now where you can enjoy and achieve and achieve that part now as you build that? Because what, so better wealth is connected to money, but it's not money. Uh, you can be wealthy regardless of your financial decision. Wealth is, uh, wealth is a choice and a habit and it's about who you are and who you're made to be. So money, money, money fuels that. Uh, so wealth is, uh, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, uh, uh, the, the clarity and ability and the time to, uh, to live the, to live the life that you're called to live and to be the person and to have the impact that you're called to have. And we need money to fuel that money is not what we're, what we're trying to get. Money is what we use to, 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 to fuel that mission forward. What, what financial strategies do you have in your life based off of like, what is your goal? Number one? Like, I, I love that you gave the big picture of better wealth. What's better wealth mean to Jeremy? And then what are you doing today to go on that, on that journey? Yeah, I, uh, I tell people to uh, call, call you. Um, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't pay him to say that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Uh, but no, I seriously, um, you know, since I've gotten to know you, I, I want to I refer people to you because I, I, know what, I know what your process is, how you care for people, and I know... Um, uh, financially that your process is, is sound as, as well. Um, and so what, 
you know, what, what I say is what is very similar to what you say, like, how do you use the assets you have to invest in the things that are most valuable? And the thing that's most valuable might not be a 401k or an IRA. Um, but what you do is you allow people to put that money into a system where they can both utilize the money and have the money growing at the same time. That's, uh, that's, and that's fantastic. And what I do is say, uh, by what I do, I, the ROI of, of, of what I, of what I do, or in your terms, the ROR, the return on result is, is, um, is, is huge. Like I, I did a, 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 pro, a culture project with a, with a company, uh, recently. And, just in the first three months, we were able to reduce their turnover 30%, uh, which yeah. we estimate saved them 250 to $300,000. Now, yeah. what the contract to me was, uh, I don't know, something like $40,000. So anytime, anytime, if I told you, I'll give you, if you give me 40,000, I'll give you 300. Uh, would you take that deal every day? Yeah, I guess where do I sign? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> but yeah, but, but we're, yeah, but we're all worked up about like, uh, um, trying to get, you know, an 8% return on I something. Know. And it's like, man, yeah. what? Yeah. So that, that piece of investing in that, which is most valuable and putting forward and, and pushing your mission that pushes yeah. your mission uh, forward. I, so I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I, I think that's just, I, I think it's helpful to hear that from different people because it's so obvious. And yet I see what most people are doing and, and just asking the question, why it's like, why are you doing that? It's, it's because we, that's what we've been taught and that's okay. That's a good answer, but it, but it, but I want to give people the permission to ask questions and really make different choices because last I checked, you have one life. I, I don't know if that's changed, but like it's, it's, I want people to wake up and, and really to that reality. So two, two more questions. Um, one's an open-ended question. One's less of an open-ended question. Anything else you want to leave um, with our audience with as far as an encouragement as it relates to their life, their family, their their potential marriage or business. Like I, I know one thing, like one word I have for you is you're an encouragement. Like I just feel so encouraged when I get to talk to you. So any, any piece of encouragement that you want to leave um, the better wealth nation with? I think, um, man, so many, uh, so many things come to mind, but I, I would say that, that wherever you are, whether you've been wildly successful or, terribly failed, whether you've made great financial investments or not, um, whether you're at the top of an organization or at the bottom, um, whether you're just learning to lead yourself, leading a family or leading a massive organization, um, I would say you, uh, you, are not, uh, you are not alone. And you're not alone. Uh, there are people in the world that will listen to you, love you, uh, like you said, without an agenda. And, um, and so you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, to do it alone. And, and I would say that it, it's really, and it's really personal for me, uh, because, um, some of the things that I most needed in my, in my, uh, most painful times of, of my life, I, I didn't feel like, uh, were there. And, and so I would just say to everyone, um, ask, ask the question who, uh, over how, and, and, and find, you know, find someone, 
to do that. And, and the fact is, is usually the thing that we most need is the thing we most fear. And so understand that it's normal that you're going to fear to step into that next place, but it is the thing that you most need. And going all the way full circle, you asked for help, which is extremely hard for you. And, and it's my understanding that was one of the first times. And yet you needed that, but you probably feared that. And, and it's, I, I love how that whole, whole, your whole story backs that up. I love that, man. Um, the question I end these, this show is, if this is your last day on earth, and you're with the people that you love the most, which I've gotten to meet some of them, <laughs> your, your kids, your wife, your closest friends, what would, be, what would you make sure to talk about during that time with them and um, knowing that this was going to be your last conversation? Man, it's a great question. And, 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 and I just want to say really quickly that a lot of people go, well, man, that's such a morbid, that's such a morbid thought. No, it's a, it's an incredibly clarifying thought and in, in, in all the best ways, because it goes, man, what's really most important and wh- why am I not doing it today? If that's what I would do on my last day, why am I not doing it today? Exactly. And, uh, I know I would, I know I would, I would, I would, I would take whatever time I had, like with each individual kid, I have three. 14, 10, and eight right now. And I, and I would tell them that I love them, that I'm proud of them, and that uh, they have an eternal father who loves them even more than I do and has uh, sent uh, his own son to die for them. And that the most important thing I could, I could leave them with is, is ask him to uh, believe that message. Um, and I would, uh, I would say, and then I would spend time with my wife telling her how much she's, she, uh, how much she's uh, meant to me. But the other thing I would do is um, I would ask them to name anything they wanted to name that seemed like it was a, uh, a negative impact, a hurtful thing. It could be a word. It could be an action that I took, whatever, um, so that I could hear that and I could ask them, not say I'm sorry because it's different. Uh, but to repent and say, will you forgive me? I see what I did. Will you please forgive me for that? Because I, I would want to leave knowing that I, that I could resolve that for them emotionally and spiritually and personally and relationally. Um, and they have a clear deck to, to move forward with that. That's a whole nother podcast is unforgiveness in your life and the the negative effect it has on you and others. Um, I've asked that question to a lot of people and you're the first person to go that route. Um, highly respect that man. And, and I know that I asked that question, not just for you, but for the people listening to that. And you pointed something out. It's like, I asked that because whatever you say, shouldn't your li- life today align what you would, what you would say, um, if it was your last day. So thank you. Um, Jeremy, you're, you're incredible, man. You have, you've given so much. Um, what, how can people connect with you? And I know that you have some cool things happening in your world. And so if someone's like, I want to learn more about what you're doing, where can people go? And this will be in the show notes, by the way. And then, and then I, I know we'll also put your, your resource that you mentioned earlier in the show notes as well, but how can people connect with you and, and what's kind of the next step? Yeah, man, that's great. Um, I have one on forgiveness too, actually, that, that, uh, you might, 
uh, want to see too. But it, just load it up. Like, give, <laughs> give us your resources, and we'll we'll you, you'll hit the jackpot coming to the show. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, you come to my website. It's uh, recreate-solutions.com. Um, you can see all about me there. Uh, join. Uh, I have a 21-day challenge. You can join and uh, get some of those resources and do some other things, uh, but uh, and and help you progress on that leadership journey. But also, um, uh, yeah, my phone, my, my personal cell phone is on there. So I, because I love to engage with people personally. Uh, so you're welcome to send me an email or do any of that stuff, which is all on there. But I'd love for you to just to call me and say, hey, can you take 15 minutes and just talk to me a little bit about what's going on in my life or something like that? I love that. So um, uh, I'd love for anybody to take advantage and do that as well. Jeremy, I appreciate you, man. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you're in my life and I'm grateful for how you show up. and the work that you're doing because I have, I have a saying about like people being their number one asset. They can also be their number one liability if they don't have their mind and heart and, and soul. Right. And I see you in the business of helping building people up so that they can go and impact more people, make more money, have a better relationship with their family. And so, um, yeah, Lo- love that man. And, and thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening to the Better World Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.